0: Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the Gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. Back in 2017, uh, we ran a series called uh, Behind Closed Doors. And uh, it was our scripture for the year, that year, was um, that, um, behold, the Lord has opened um, a door for us which no man can shut. And in fact, this is that door. We walk through the door. We are here and, uh, and no man shut it. So we are experiencing that. But the series the was about understanding that it's how we live our lives behind closed doors that, that impacts our ability to take advantage of the doors that God opens to us. We, we build our lives, I believe, to some degree, we build the church. By the way, we live our lives behind closed doors. And we looked at three specific areas. We looked at foundations, we looked at order, and we looked at rhythm. And this turned out to be a nine-week series, which I am gonna condense into three weeks which is just gonna be exciting. I know it, I know it. Uh, so, so you're getting three messages for the price of one today, and um, you're all right, aren't you, till about nine? I don't think that, I don't see that being too much of a problem. That's absolutely awesome. Great, I'm gonna pray and, uh, and then we'll crack on. Father, we thank you for this opportunity of being together. And uh, Lord, as we come around your Word, we believe, Lord, that you're not just going to give us information, but you're going to give us revelation. We open our hearts, we open our minds to what it is the Spirit is saying to us. We believe that there's an individual message for every individual in this place today. And we pray, Lord, that everyone uh, with open hearts and open minds will receive all that you have for them in Jesus' name. And a faithful church said, Amen. Amen. So this, this uh, actually uh, began, um, some of you maybe have not uh, been to our, our city site where we, we moved out from on Talbot Street to, to come here and uh, I was observing uh, the, the, the preparations that they were making um, for the possibility of the build that they are, they are doing uh, now. And uh, they, were, they were taking soundings and all that sort of thing. And a lot of work was going into the laying of foundations. And it, it got me to think about the foundations of our life, the foundations of our faith. And when we look at the, the uh, book of Acts, uh, chapter 2, so when we enter into this phase, Jesus has been crucified, he's risen again, the church is brand new. They are, they're kind of fumbling around a little bit, trying to find their way. And and they were, they were seeking to understand what, it, what is it that makes me a Christ follower? What is it that makes me a follower of Jesus? And uh, at that time, they didn't even have a Bible because it wasn't, at least the New Testament, because it wasn't written yet. And so they, 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 looked at some things that needed to be established in order to say, we are going to follow these things. And when I follow these things, this means that I'm a Christian. And so in Acts 2.42, very simple, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. To the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and Prayer and the Bible says to these things they devoted themselves. They these were foundational to their faith. They would they they made the decision that these were the things that would be a priority in their life because faith cannot just be passive. It has to be intentional. It's not something that just happens to me, it's something that I lean yeah. into. Yeah. And the apostles' teaching was important because these were the guys who'd walked with Jesus. These were the guys who had talked with Jesus. These are the guys who had had first-hand experience of being in the presence of Jesus. And it wasn't, it wasn't that they were perfect. It wasn't that they got everything right. It was yeah. just, that was all they had. Wow. Yeah. That was all they had and And God left it in their hands, and trusted the whole shebang to these guys and The teaching was important because when we come to God, when we are brand new to the things of God, we have so many muddled ideas about God and about life, and so we need we need to expose ourselves to to Information that is going to help us make the journey as a follower of Christ. Right teaching helps realign wrong thinking. Right teaching helps realign wrong thinking. To to follow God, to be a follower of Jesus means that I submit my life to His Word. I accept this as the word of God. It's not just that I pick the bits out of it. I underline the bits. I highlight the bits I like. And we skip over the other bits because that's not quite so comfortable. That's a little bit challenging. Now, forget that. I'm just going to stick with the bits I love. I don't define this. This defines me. This defines me. So my life submits to the authority of the word yeah. of God. And in fact, even Jesus prayed for us in this regard in John seventeen seventeen, He said, sanctify them, which means set them apart. Set them apart by the truth. And then he concludes it by saying, your word is truth. Right. The word of God yeah. is truth. Truth, So I align my life with the truth yeah. of the Word of God. Yeah. So the, the new disciples devoted themselves and, and you actually have to work at being devoted. Yeah. You have to work yeah. at following the teaching yeah. of God's Word. Right. Yeah. Um, because whenever there is preaching... There is, right now, I'm speaking. But right now, I'm also not the only voice in your head. There is my voice, but there's also your voice in your head. If you've got more than one voice, we can pray for you. (laughs) We can pray for you later, but there will be at least a voice in your head in addition to mine. And... And that voice, actually, the voice in your head is very, very important. Because no matter what I say, you are going to be listening to you. You're listening to what you think. You're listening to what you feel. You're listening. You're, listening, you're assessing what is coming across. And so your voice, the voice in your head, rather, needs to be aligned with what the Spirit of God is saying. Let me give you a little understanding. Matthew 13, uh, Matthew 13 describes an account where Jesus is coming to his hometown. This is in verse 54. And he began teaching the people in their synagogue and they were amazed. It's like, why wouldn't they be? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, teaching in their synagogue. What an incredible thing. They were amazed. There surely could be uh, no more wonderful, more anointed teaching that they'd ever heard. They were saying when they listened, now after hearing the voice of Jesus, this is where their voice kicks in. Where did this man get his wisdom and these miraculous powers? They asked. And then it's almost like, it's not here. I tried to look it up in the Greek to see if we could wangle it we can't but it's almost like you could add in here wait a minute wait a minute because isn't this the carpenter's son this is their voice now isn't his mother's name Mary and aren't his brothers James Joseph Simon and Judas aren't all his sisters with us where then did this man get all these things And they took offense at Him. So the voice of Jesus led them to amazement. But the voice in their own head led them to offense. That's why it's really important that the voice in my own head is aligned with what Jesus is saying. The teaching... Stirred them to amazement, but their voice, the voice in their own head, robbed them of their faith. Wow. See, I think everyone would expect that when I come to you today, I preach this morning, I'm preaching tonight, you've expect you'd expect that I've put some work in. You thank you. You'd expect that I've prayed. You'd expect that I've spent time uh, seeking God about what it is that I need to say. You expect me, you know, it's like it wouldn't, it wouldn't really uh, impress you. If I came here tonight, you're saying, what, oh, guys, I've had quite a week. <laughs> Whew, we were, you know, in Lisbon preaching all weekend and then it's been a full on week. And I want, you know, I wanted to, don't get me wrong. I really, really tried I just couldn't get it together for a message. So, um, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe you guys could just talk amongst yourselves for a few minutes and uh, and then we'll head through, I don't know, for a coffee or something like that. It's like, you're like, what? What's this guy? What's this guy on? Well, obviously you expect me to do some work, but maybe you're not so, it's not easy for you to expect that you've got to do some work. Because in order to get the kind of experience that God wants you to have from this moment, it doesn't just require me doing all the work. It requires some work from you. In fact, Paul made a comment about this when writing to the Ephesian church in chapter 6. He, he told the people, he says, hey, Pray, We well, didn't say hey, I am kind of threw that in. People are like, whoa, I can't find hey. I threw that in just to, you know, like try and be cool and stuff. Um, so pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul is saying, hey, I'm going to be preaching. You should pray. You should pray. I I, I imagine there are quite a few of you in the room have prayed that a sermon would come to an end. (laughs) Oh God, how long is this going to last? Bring it to an end, Lord. But maybe if we prayed before the sermon, that whoever was preaching would have the right words, that God would give them the right words, then I wouldn't be praying for a sermon to come to an end. Pray for the preacher, that the right words would be given them and that they would declare them fearlessly because that, that actually means that I come to this moment with a different level of expectation I believe when I come to this moment that I'm not just getting a motivational message I'm not just getting some information I am getting a word from God for me that is what we believe the Bible teaches so now people of my age uh, about 27 28 ish and But when we were were in school, we we were brought up in an education system that in in talking about giving us the basics, it talked about giving us the three R's. The three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Which is fascinating that an education system (laughs) would come up with something called the three R's where only one of the words actually did begin with R. But that's another conversation for another day. Uh, however, with that in mind, I've come up with four R's for you, and not everybody got it because some people were challenging me this morning in the atrium that I'd only given them three. Yes, yes, I've had to spend the afternoon talking to Jesus about some of that, but I did give them four, and uh, and now so let's 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 look at the first one. The first the first R is is readiness now I've got here some chocolate bars chocolate bars that have been chosen uh, because this is the way you have to think these days um, that, that when you throw them they won't do anyone an injury so these are very small and light chocolate bars because now we are very we're very health and safety conscious at at Heart Church aren't we Sally? yes so in fact I'm not even going to lie Sally I had your voice in my head that so actually it's because of Sally we haven't got Toblerone or a Yorkie or a super sized Mars bar because she cares about you and she doesn't want you to be injured in any way shape or form so that's why we have the tiny curly whirly who wants a tiny curly whirly there we go. Okay. Oh, What about over here? Some chocolate buttons. Eh. Oh, that was a rubbish throw. Here we go. Okay, I've got two more. Got, I'm sorry guys at the back. I, I mean, really, I'm sorry. Lynette, you can't be influencing the throw. You just gotta... And one for the middle section, one for the middle section. So, when we talk about being ready, as some of you were ready for the chocolate bar. You, 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 in fact, some of you, I wasn't even sure you were awake until I mentioned chocolate bar. The moment you, I saw, you saw the chocolate bar, suddenly you, I saw faces that I hadn't seen at other points during the message. It was like you'd been, low and, oh, oh but, there was, even, there was even a posture. You carried yourself with a certain posture. Why? Because you were expecting something. I would, I would just want to suggest to us that if we can get that excited about a chocolate bar, what about a word from God Almighty? <laughs> chocolate bars don't last but the Word of the Lord. We're here all week. We're here all week. We're here all week, guys. It's awesome. So it's about coming with an expectation that God has got something for me. I come with readiness. I come ready to respond. In fact, because preachers are not just transmitters, they're reactors. We don't just send stuff out, we respond. So when there is sensitive response to the Word of God, then that actually is an encouragement and calls something out from the preacher who's delivering the message. It also helps us to concentrate. The, the, the third R is write notes. Someone once said, the weakest ink is better than the strongest mind. Wow. And what I'm, I'm not talking about writing out the whole message. I mean, unless you particularly want to. Some people do that because it does help them to concentrate. But what I am saying, on whatever you take notes on, you should expect there's going to be something in the message for you and you, you don't need to write out the whole message because you can listen to it on podcast later in the week. But there could be something that God is saying to you specifically that is worthy of you reflecting upon. And that is my next point, to reflect. So when when something strikes a note, there's just something that it, it hits Yeah, Yeah, that's something to reflect upon, to meditate upon. It's powerfully effective to to chew those things over in fact that's why we make it part of our gathering uh, when we gather as life groups that we take an opportunity to chew over what has been spoken about on the Sunday before because that will get enable us to get all the nutrients out of the message that is For us, and sometimes just hearing somebody else's perspective can really help us get something more out of it. So it's a powerful thing, therefore, to also reflect upon what God has been saying to you. And I think it's a great thing where uh, we can even reflect with others, which leads nicely into uh, my next point. In the what is also foundational to our walk with Jesus is fellowship. I'm not just talking about having a quick coffee together, I'm not just talking about having a a chat about the rugby, which is awesome if you want to do that. But what when the Bible talks about fellowship, it's not just talking about us being in the same space, it's talking about us being there for one another. That's why, because we gather a large amount of people on a Sunday, we work hard at enabling everyone to break into a smaller environment. That's why we have life groups. Because in every large body, there are many small cells. And in those small cells, life is produced in the larger body. And so that that we, we are... You know, through through Growth Track, through um, through um, our you know TO and and YA and Life groups, we are trying to create environments where we can get together in smaller groups and yet still be part of something significant and and something that's making making an impact. It's it's such an important such an important thing that we understand that that. Church is not just here for me to get something out of alone. In fact, we need one another. We need one another. Something, it's, it's like, you know, it is possible, isn't it? Maybe some of you have even done it. You know, instead of coming to a church, coming to church, you can go on YouTube you can download some music, you can download a preach uh, from anywhere in the world. But that, and so you, it's like, it's like you've, you've received something. You've, had, you've you had opportunity to sing, you've maybe had uh, an opportunity to listen to a word and take some notes, but it's not the same as gathering as church. Because something happens when we come together. I'm not invalidating this experience that I have alone with God. That is powerful. But I'm not meant to have a relationship with God on my own all the time. And I don't believe that actually I can reach where I need to in God without you. And vice versa. We need one another. We need. To mix with one another. There should be no one. There should be no one who is, who is isolated here. In fact, I, I want this to be the kind of church where you, if you want to be isolated, you've got to be really determined. Really determined to be, to be isolated. Because I believe that there is something unique, beautiful and powerful that is released when people of all ages... And, and, and all ethnicities get together yeah. and we have genuine fellowship yeah. that get beyond the surface yeah. questions that we get to know about one another. We see the, 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 the fears that, that, that divide people and hold people separate fall away yeah. in and through the love of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And that is also true huh, of people that I might not like that much. Oh no! Don't start saying stuff like that. You're ruining it. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the conversation when we were just all mates and everyone was getting on. But I think that Jesus makes room for the fact that actually we're not all going to get on all the time. That's why he says we. That's why he's infused into who and what we are the whole concept of forgiveness and, and and the fact that we might have to do it more than once in fact actually 70 times seven so the the, the reality is this that that we, we there are going to be people here that we don't always find that easy oh, I mean I know you're, you you're sitting there looking all holy and like oh no I love everybody but you know this there's, there's just that one right that one I know you try and avoid them, but, you know, even if they scratch their head in a certain way, it just annoys you, just annoys you. And you, you, you join the, 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 the life group that is a walking group in Outer Hebrides or something, running every month, and then they, they happen to join that life group. And it's like, oh! But, but those people... Those people are there actually to call Jesus out of you. To call Jesus out of you. To challenge you about why you're responding and the way you're responding about them. Because, because God wants us to have the kind of fellowship. You know, sometimes I can get on with people uh, really well, but, but that doesn't necessarily cause me to grow and develop as a person. We just get on. But there are some relationships <clears throat> that really really cause you to grow and develop as a person. And that being a Christian means that I don't avoid those moments. I lean in and allow Jesus to help me because I'm not meant to just love you with my own love. Because my love is dependent, honestly, on whether it's raining, of what kind of week I've had. You know, it's, it's, it's... it, I, I might love you this week, but next week, mm, I don't know. It all depends. But Jesus' love isn't like that. Jesus' love isn't like that. And, and we, are, we, we, are, we are supposed to come with that kind of love that is not just our love, but the love of Jesus. And that is consistent, and it is constant, and it's that kind of love that breaks through. It's that kind of love that's so impressed people when they saw the early church coming together. People of all nationalities, people of all, uh, more, all echelons of society coming together and it was love that was the glue that held them together. Which leads nicely onto another foundation of breaking, in, of, breaking of bread. To, to break bread is foundational to our walk with Jesus. So they were, they were listening to teaching. They said, hey, we need to listen to the apostles teaching. We need, we need to spend time with one another. We need to be there for one another. We need to encourage one another. I, I didn't say this before, but, but like, you know, when you come to church, you're not just here to get something, you're here to give something. What, what would church look like next week if you arrive believing God that you are not just going to hear a word, but you're going to be in a position to bless somebody, to encourage somebody, to spur somebody on. What what would that look like? And then Paul, uh, sorry, Luke writing in Acts talks about um, the breaking of bread. It was considered foundational to the faith. And in fact, it was, you know, Jesus elevated it to something that was very significant and very important. And we must come to it understanding that the breaking of bread is, is a powerful expression of our faith. You see, through, through this meal, we are connected to believers right back to Moses. That meal, Jesus redefined it, but that meal is a meal because it was the Passover meal right. Right. celebrating the, the, the deliverance of the, of the, the people of God uh, when the angel of death flew over Egypt. Um, it was, it was a, a powerful deliverance for the people of God. And Jesus redefined that meal, but through it, we today are linked linked all the way back to believers, um, right back to Moses, and Jesus changed it to not simply be being something of an act of remembrance of what God did for his people, but Jesus has done what he has done now for all people. What happened in the time of Moses was for God's but what Jesus did is for all people and as powerful as the first story was the new story and its symbolism is even more powerful the whole picture to do with in order to produce bread the the seed has to fall to the ground and die and 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 then it is ground to make bread and then the bread Gives life. It is the picture of, of uh, what Jesus does for us. He He died on the cross in order to give us life. The grapes are crushed to make wine, it sh- and wine was a symbolic of of uh, healing um, and uh, and also of the Spirit of God. And we see that the, 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 the wine is, is symbolic of what, of what Jesus does for us, that I am forgiven. It's, it's sim, symbolic of the blood through which I am forgiven, also symbolic of, of the healing that comes in the name of Jesus. Through this meal, we are nourished both naturally and spiritually. And Paul gives um, clear instructions, which is... so. There is a right way to come to this meal. So I believe that it's okay to come to it in a relaxed way, but it is also appropriate to come to it in an orderly way. And, and, and Paul gives us clear instructions when he was writing to the Corinthian church. We should all be encouraged by the Corinthian church because if ever there was a church who stuffed up doing church, it was the Corinthian church. Uh, But we should be grateful that the Corinthian church stuffed up as often as they did. Because that meant that Paul had to write to them. And because he had to write to them, we have instructions on what we should do. So that we don't stuff it up. Turn to someone and say, don't stuff it up. I love how this starts. It says, let me go over with you again. Let me go over with you again. You see, it's not even the first time he's done it. Let me go, oh, you know, come on, guys. Let me go over again exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it is so centrally important. I received my instructions to the Master himself and passed them on to you. The Master Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, took bread, giving thanks. He broke it and said, This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact your words and actions, the death of the master. You will be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns. You must never Let familiarity breed contempt. You mustn't treat this like any other meal. This is special. This is different. There is life in this meal. This is not a mid-service snack. It's not just a religious observance. When I take the bread and the cup, supernatural power is released through the name of Jesus. In its simplest form, I believe, in its simplest form, this meal, I believe, is about connection. What do I mean? Firstly, it is connection to the powerful story of how God delivers his people. Secondly, it's connection to Jesus and all he accomplished on the cross. Jesus said, when you do this, remember me. Remember what I've done for you. Thirdly, leaning back into the the previous section, it's connection to each other. In also writing to the Corinthians, Paul said, because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. There is a picture language here. There is something, every time we break bread, we remember the Lord, but every time we break bread, we remember we belong to each other. That as that bread enters into me, it is a reminder that Jesus lives in me, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And if a loaf of bread is symbolic of the fact that we are one in Christ, how much as we realize that through Christ, we are brothers and and sisters, all ages, all nations, every every echelon of society, we are one in Christ Jesus, and that is fellowship. Understand, fellowship isn't trying to be one, fellowship isn't trying to be united. I, I think that the moment you're trying, you're almost failing because the moment you're trying, you're focused on your differences. So what Jesus did, Jesus cut to the chase and he made us one through himself. And now we have to remind ourselves that I'm not just here for me, I'm here for you. And even the things I don't get, even the things I don't understand, even the things I don't easily relate to, through Jesus and his spirit and through the love of God, I can find a way to have a relationship with you. And then finally, connection to a way of living where Jesus said in the garden of Gethsemane, your will, not my will, be done. Yeah. It's a reminder. As Jesus gave his life for you and for I, it is a reminder that I walk out my faith as a follower of Jesus, foundational to my faith. Yeah. It's not my will, but your will yeah. be done. And then then finally, the final element that is foundational to our faith is prayer. It's prayer. Now, honestly, too often um, talking about prayer is an opportunity to feel guilty. Because (laughs) we all know we should pray. The reason why we can feel guilty is because of the gap between what we know we should do and what we actually do do. And, 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 and yet, this should never be, whenever you're feeling guilty, that is not the basis for developing a relationship. Um, I love, I'm going to steal uh, a phrase that was used by uh, Max achado as a Christian uh, 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 author who, who talks about this, basically this section is for recovering prayer wimps. We want to be prayer warriors, but we've, before we become a prayer warrior, maybe we've got to recognise we're a prayer wimp. And that's okay. Because I think that it's better to be truthful and honest about where I'm at and begin to develop something that changes and shifts. Prayer is foundational to our faith, so it is unavoidable. But maybe there are some things where where we our perception of what prayer is is robbing us of, of its, its place in our Life. Let me put it this way. So we've got a great example. In Acts chapter 12, uh, verse 11 onwards, uh, it says, uh, th- then Peter came to himself. I mean, Peter came to himself because he just had a really powerful deliverance. Angels and everything, you should read it. Amazing, from prison. And he says, now, now I know without doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Why had they gathered? Why were they praying? They were praying that Peter would be set free from prison and Herod would not have his way with them with him. So Peter knocked verse 13 at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door, Peter's at the door. Our faith-filled Christians said, you're out of your mind. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, ah, I must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. It would appear that prayer is really powerful. Even when you're not expecting it to happen. It's really powerful, even when I'm not really expecting that what I'm praying for is going to happen because God used their prayers to set Peter free anyway. So that should be an encouragement to us to keep on praying because God may be about to answer your prayers in a more powerful way than you have ever imagined. I think some of us, maybe we have convinced ourselves that prayer is something complicated and something difficult. Maybe we we think it's some kind of performance that God will only listen to us if our words are perfect and if we're saying everything right. But actually, that is an incorrect understanding of what prayer is. Prayer is a conversation. An intimate conversation between friends, between a father and his son, between a father and his daughter. When I say conversation, that means that that's two-way. Because right. prayer isn't just about what I say, turning up with my shopping list, Machine gun prayers where I'm just blurting out what it is I want and what it is I need, and then I go, I'm like, Prayer is a conversation. Prayer is an opportunity for me to express some of the things that I'm feeling, some of the things that I'm going through. And I only need share those things in a way that I might share them with the closest friend. Maybe some of you here have a challenge with trust in. People. Maybe maybe you have trusted and that's the reason why you've got a problem with trust because you have trusted and they've, you've been let down. Some of us have been let down in life. Some of us have been let down in church. But God has never, ever let you down. He is utterly and entirely trustworthy. He doesn't just say He loves you and then treats you any old how. He genuinely loves you. He knows stuff about you that you don't even know about you. And He loves you. He doesn't just love you anyway. He loves you with all that. Everything about you, He loves. It doesn't mean that that He's not going to help you with some stuff, but He loves you right now, today. And I don't need to put on some special performance yeah, to, to talk to Him. I don't need special words. I can just say it real. Right. Say it like it is, just from the heart. I, I wonder if, if that's what the disciples saw when, in Luke 11 when they saw, they saw Jesus praying in a certain place. It says this, that when he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. Like, it wasn't like these guys didn't know what prayer was. They'd probably prayed all their life. But When they saw Jesus pray, it was like, wow. I, I've not been praying like that. I think they saw the kind of relationship that Jesus had with his Father. There was just something about the way Jesus prayed. Don't forget Jesus said when you pray. He didn't, he didn't say if you pray. Yeah. So prayer is foundational. I just paraphrased the, the Lord's Prayer that we say it's actually the disciples' prayer essentially, but that's, when, when the disciple went to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray, my paraphrase was, You know, it's our Father who art in heaven, but it's like, Daddy, I praise you. Impact the world. Provide for us. Forgive me in the same way I forgive others. Protect me when I'm tempted. It's just real prayer. The real deal. Helping us deal with the real issues of our life. Because you see, when I pray, I don't pray in my own strength and I don't pray in my own authority because I use the name of Jesus. Yeah. See, me on my own, I'm not going to be able to do anything, but with, with Jesus' name, I have, when I use the name of Jesus, I speak with the same authority as Jesus. Let me say it like this. Let me say it like this. So let's imagine that, uh, you know, we're at the office and I say to Tando, I say, hey, Tando, do me a favor. Go and ask Lawrence to make me a cup of coffee. And, and Tando would say, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So, um, you know, and now Tando goes, goes to Lawrence and say, hey, uh, Lawrence, would you make, Malcolm, a coffee. And Lawrence, he wouldn't. He wouldn't do this, <clears throat> I don't think. But um, for the purpose of the illustration, Lawrence would say, "No, you do it." He wants a coffee. You do it. He, he talked to you, didn't he? Why? Because when Tando came, he came and said, "Lawrence, would you make Malcolm a coffee?" But if Tando came to Lawrence and said, hey, Lawrence, Malcolm said, would you make him a coffee? Bless you, bro. Thank you. Thank you. It's cold though, but it's fine. Your heart's in the right place. That's good. It's like we're going to start somewhere. You see, it's the the same scenario, but the very significant difference that now Tando's not using his own authority, he used my name. And when he used my name, now, Lawrence is shook, no, 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 sorry, I'm not. (laughs) Now Lawrence is saying, okay, because now, now Tando's mouth was used, but he used somebody else's authority. When I come in prayer, My mouth is being used, but I'm using somebody else's authority. I'm using the authority of Jesus Christ. And that is why I have power over the situations to do with my life. Left to myself, no, but with Him, with His authority, things can change. I've got to pray knowing God is listening, even when it feels that He isn't. Pray knowing that you're in Christ. And using His authority, pray persistently, expecting God to answer. These are the foundations of our Christian faith. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart church UK.